0: Let me read this text to you from 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, am, I who am a felder, uh, fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I want to speak to you just for a few minutes about shepherd or about uh, servant leadership. In his book titled, leading at the edge. Dennis Perkins contrasts the leadership values of two very different explorers. One was Ernest Shackleton, the other Wilhelm Steffensen. In 1914, Shackleton led a daring expedition to Antarctica and to the South Pole. A year earlier, Steffensen Led an expedition, literally in the opposite direction, to explore the North Pole. Each crew faced a fight for survival, and but overco- each crew faced a, a fight for survival. But the outcomes couldn't have been more different. Both crews faced harsh situations that could be described as life and death. Stephenson's crew degenerated into a band of selfish, mean-spirited, cutthroat individualists, and all 11 crew members died. Shackleton's crew also faced the very same problems of cold, of food shortages, of stress, anxiety, and the crew responded with teamwork, with self-sacrifice. In the end, each leader stayed close to their, uh, their particular core value. Stephenson valued success above caring for people, and the only objective was to reach the North Pole. That was it. Shackleton focused on the value and the dignity of his teammates. At one point, Shackleton wrote these words, the task is now to secure the safety of the entire crew. Their ship, the Endurance, was trapped in the sea ice. And by valuing each person, Shackleton forged a team that shared everything. And, became, and because of this sacrificial leadership, they all survived. Now in case you think this is just some kind of an old story of about 100 years old, keep this in mind. At Harvard University, they still use this in the Harvard Business School as an illustration as a model of the correct model of leadership. It's still used today. Peter uses three terms to describe church leaders. He calls them elders and shepherds and overseers, which basically describes their maturity and their particular responsibilities. I want it to be understood here today, and this is very important. Leadership is not for novices. Leadership is not some kind of a title. It is not anything like that, it is not a position. Leadership is something that you do. Leadership is a function. You can have a title and not be a leader. But leadership, true leadership, is a function. Spiritual maturity is not just uh, being a Christian for a little while, but being able to discern right from wrong and then applying God's principles to your life. You have to be able to discern between the better and the best. Verse 2, the Bible says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. A shepherd in Jesus' time not only led his sheep from the front, but also led the sheep from the middle and surrounded by the sheep. They were both. They did both of these. And the role of the shepherd was to care for the sheep. And it's important for us to be willing and eagerly setting an example for people to follow. It's our job to take the initiative. Key principles here is that we are to be willing, that we are to be eager, and that we are to set an example in leadership. Let me tell you these key principles here, and I just wanna just kinda expand these very briefly as we go. Key principles. Number one, I want to speak about servant leadership. This is the one modeled to us by Jesus and is the greatest model of all. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 simply says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. That is a servant leadership. And this is how we lead. If I see a piece of trash on the floor, I'm going to give you a very, very simple, tiny example here. If I see a piece of trash on the floor, why don't I pick up the piece of trash rather than go look for the custodian so the custodian can pick up the trash? This is what we call servant leadership. We need to understand these things. We are stewards. Leaders are people with responsibility. We are responsible for the mission of the church and for ensuring that this mission is being accomplished. We are responsible for resources and how they are used to support the mission of the church. We are to be watchmen, and we are accountable to God at all times. Number three, we speak about relationships. We are to ask God how we submit ourselves to one another, and how did we listen to one another. For a deacon and an elder board to function well, there must be mutual respect with mutual submission in all areas. Number four, let me speak about mutual respect for a moment. Leadership always sets the tone of a church. If we do not respect people around us, then we will never ever be able to lead. About 10 months or a year after I left Glad Tidings to go to the college in North Dakota, I got a telephone call from the pastor that succeeded me. And uh, his name was Randy. And uh, he came in. I, I sort of knew him. I, I didn't know him well, but I just uh, met him a time or two and, and everything. And I had a call earlier from him, probably about two months after he'd been at the church. And, and then I'm getting this next second phone call. It's about 10 or 12 months later. And these are the words that Randy said to me. He was talking about the problems that we, he was having at the church. Now when we left the church, we left the church in excellent condition. A growing church, a church that had multiplied itself uh, actually two, two times over. And all of these things, there was a lot of pluses in this whole thing. And Randy said to me, he says, and these are, listen to these words very carefully, he said, How can you grow a church with people like these? Did you get that? How can you grow a church with people like these? And I said, Randy, you have hit the nail on the head, but it's your head that you hit. Don't you think, and this is exactly my response, don't you think those people know how you feel about them? This thing bleeds through in our life. If we don't like the people that we pastor, they they get that vibe, you know what I mean? And they pick up on it. Unfortunately, six months after that conversation, they ask Randy to leave. There are key functions. There are key functions for leaders. Let me share with you three of them here that's very important. Number one, deciding and advising. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors there is safety. We essentially become advisors to one another and not lording it over one another. This is very important in a, in a growing church. And we need to understand that we simply cannot do business. And, and I'm talking about faith community church right now. We simply cannot do business the way we did business 10 years ago. Mainly because we've got a growing church that is far larger, much larger than it was 10 years ago. I have another story here, and this, was, this is fairly recent, and I know a little bit about it. It's a story of an Iowa church, it's in eastern Iowa, that was in decline, quite a bit of decline, over, over a fairly long period of time. This decline basically could be summed up in two particular areas. Number one, poor pastoral leadership, and number two, poor board leadership. Both of them weren't functioning well, and in fact they were somewhat disastrous you might say young people that were part of this church and there weren't many of them left but they came up to the or the board and finally and said listen we cannot take this anymore we are going to leave and they left and that was a sad thing obviously it's a sad thing when anybody leaves the church it's a disappointment And so at a meeting, at this meeting, which was a congregational meeting, they had 12 people. That was about all that was left in the church anyway. Twelve people. They pushed together a couple tables, and they sat around these tables, the 12. Twelve people. And this was the remark of one of the persons at at those tables. I am glad that we can finally gather around these tables just like we did before. Uh, within a couple weeks, they closed the church. Folks, this happens a lot. You don't do business the way you used to do business. Faith Community Church is a growing situation in which the church is going to become more and more dependent on staff and elders on staff and elders and deacons will become more and more advisors rather than decision makers. This is growth. This is a part of the growth. Number two, let me speak about monitoring. Paul makes a very powerful statement when he speaks to the elders uh, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. We monitor each other, not in the sense to see, are you doing your job correctly? We monitor one another in a framework, not of judgment, but of accountability, and the question that we ask, how are you doing? How are you doing as a person? How are you doing as as a poor, in this part of your ministry? It is the responsibility of elders and deacons to monitor the church's spiritual condition. We are to monitor the church's financial health, and we need to monitor the goals of church services. Number three, we need to be praying. We are praying people, we are expected to pray. If you are not praying, then the question is, who is praying? That's an important question to answer. What do you pray for? It's very simple, there's a lot of things you can pray for. You can pray for the pastor and staff, you can pray for the volunteers, pray for each other. Pray for the needs. Pray for health. You can be a praying church or you can be a divided church. But it will be one or the other and not both. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, which I read just earlier, just a few minutes ago. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Jesus gives us recognition and a crown that will last forever. And that's the reward that I want to look for, and I hope you do too. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, and verse uh, 25, he said, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest, and the leader is the one who serves. I want to wind this up and just tell you this. Great churches and great leaders are able to make something out of nothing. Great churches, great leaders, are able to make great churches out of nothing. A potter, for example, can take a formless piece of clay and put it on the potter's wheel and shape it into something that is functional and something that is beautiful. The reason they do this is because they see with a different eye. If you give me a piece of of clay this morning, I'm going to hold it in my hands, look at it, and say, this looks like a lump of clay to me. You give that to a potter, and I could even put it on the wheel, Okay. We'll take it another step farther. And I'll put it on the wheel, and that wheel's turning around and around. And I'm trying to put my hands around this thing. It's going to have some weird, wobbly-looking, strange, oddball piece. It's just tremendous. But you give that to a potter who knows what he's doing. And listen to me. They will shape something that is wonderful, that is beautiful, that is functional, and something that is desired. And the reason they can do that is because for that particular thing, they have a vision for it. A vision. A vision is able to see things that do not exist today, but they see them today as though they are happening right now. That's vision. That's vision. You see today even though it may not be there, what is happening right now. And folks, the God who makes something out of nothing, who makes all things new, calls us as spiritual leaders to apply this principle to the people and the places around us. God wants us to look at formless, broken, the blank, sometimes the dirty and messy situations and then see what they will look like after he touches them. And that's important, folks. That's important that we look at people and say, I see the issues, I see the problems, I see all the things that may be a part of their life today. But if we can help and be a part of what God is going to do in their life, God can touch their life in such a way that they will take the formless, the blank, what appears to be nothing, and create something wonderful out of it. And folks, there's people all across this congregation right now, all over this place. And your life before you walked in here, your life in particular before you came to Christ, was a mess, it was goofed up, it was upside down, it was blank. And when Jesus Christ got a hold of your life, it changed everything. And over these years, over this period of time, you have become a new creature. You've become a new person. People look at you and see, I see the wonderful grace of God at work in your life. I see what God has done in your life and in your spirit. That's our job. That's our job. And the truth is, things are not always what they seem. As leaders, we possess the God-given ability to shape things. We have the opportunity to work together with God to see things become beautiful that used to be ugly, to see something being created out of nothing, and to put our hands to what others have turned their backs on. It's not the church as usual. It's the church is supernatural. If we want church as usual, there's plenty of that all over the place. If you want church as supernatural, you have to look to God and ask God to position a vision within your heart and within your life as to what he wants to do in your life. And he becomes the one who transforms and makes all things absolutely totally brand new. This is one of the exciting things I'm going to tell you right now that we're seeing at LifeGate in Humble. We're seeing kind of a formless thing starting slowly. I wish it would speed up, but slowly come together and it will take the shape of a church, of a congregation that can touch a community. We're not just there to fill up Hey, I can have beef burgers and hot dogs and fill this place up, and we auction off a car or something. But God's got something better. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the promises of your your word, the truth of your word. Father, I pray that uh, in the name of Jesus, that we will take these things so very seriously. We want this church to be a lighthouse. We've mentioned that on many times. Father, we want the kingdom of God to be formed here and advanced from here. We ask you to help us to do that. We ask you, Father, that you would call upon us in particular as leaders to be those kind of people that that are more concerned with people coming to Christ and Christ being formed in them than anything else that may be around. And so I thank you for that. Father, let the blessing of God flow truly in this place of worship. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit has been able to take some element of of this message of something that has been said today or sung today and speak powerfully into somebody's heart and into somebody's life. Father, I'm concerned that there might be somebody in this room right now that really you don't know Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. You need forgiveness. You need to repent of a life that just is broken up and confused and blank and and going nowhere. Father, I pray that you'll speak into their hearts right now and allow them to understand this is the time that change can take place. This is a moment in which their lives can be transformed. Father, I pray that as we pray, as we kind of close this portion of the service this morning, that I ask you to help somebody right now to truly pray and truly repent and truly ask Christ to be the Savior and the Lord of their life. Help somebody to pray with me, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to help me to repent of my sins. I'm sorry for my sin. I realize that without Christ, my life is a blank. I need Jesus in my heart, and I ask him to come into my heart, my life today. I believe Jesus died for me, and I believe he rose from the dead. Today I ask him to be the Savior and Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.